Jesus, we, uh, we're, we're thrilled to be able to look at a message from you tonight, uh, to hear, Lord, freedom brought to us from your very lips, Lord. Uh, Lord, your word is, is always faithful to uh, bring us wisdom and knowledge. And, uh, but, Lord, if we don't apply that, we just are, are foolish in your eyes. And so, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us see the application to see how we can use your scriptures and what you're going to what we're going to look at tonight. We can apply them to our life and they can be something that changes us. And, uh, and, and gives us tools in our toolbox of our life to, um, to be able to trust you and be able to see your power in our life and not our own. So, Lord, we, uh, we want to trust you tonight. We want to learn from you. And, uh, Lord, I pray you would bring life and, and grace in this place. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So we have been studying the book of Galatians. Uh, verse by verse, and and as we've been going through this uh, book, we've seen that it, our, the title of our series has been War on Legalism because Paul is doing his absolute best job to show us how legalism uh, will choke you out as a, as a believer, as someone who's following Jesus Christ, trying to uh, please him by keeping the law is only going to cause pain to your relationship and frustration because of the source of your efforts in those in in those instances. And we also saw last week that this battle between the flesh and the spirit is is waging within us. So legalism doesn't work. We've been looking at that the entire book. And now at the end, he's going to be he talks about the other side, which is licentiousness or if it's not legalism legalism says you've got to keep all the rules to please god the other side says well since we're freed from the law you can do whatever you want and god's going to forgive you and we talked about that last week how that's also not the will of god that is called licentiousness that's having a license to sin you're carrying around your card that's your license said i i've been saved i know jesus so i can do whatever i want and i can sin and god's just going to forgive me oh that's good that's a great Idea, And Paul says, absolutely not. And we looked in depth last week that that's on this side. And on this side is legalism. Neither one please God. But walking in the spirit does please God. Walking in the spirit through the power of grace, through an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, just walking with him does please God. And we are able to be holy, to do the right things. Without legalism and without licentiousness, without either one, by walking. And so, but we have this battle going on. As we're walking in the spirit, we battle between the spirit and the flesh. The spirit that wants to go towards Jesus, the spirit that wants to trust and the spirit that wants to do what's right, and our flesh, which either wants to try to keep rules to prove itself or to break the rules because we're bad. So our flesh versus our spirit. And what we've learned so far is that, number one, we're freed from the law. We're freed from this legalism. So there's no law in our lives any longer. We are totally free. We're free as a, as a son to a father. We're not a slave anymore. We've, we've learned, we've gone through all these different messages learning that. We can never break a law that no longer applies to us as children of God. If there's no law upon you, you can't break it. 
But we also learned we're free from licentiousness or from a license to sin, where we're free from feeling like we can just do whatever we want, sin-wise, and be fine. We, don't, we can't have that because we have the Holy Spirit. So it's not a cheap grace that we can just keep on sinning. Or I called it last week the sloppy agape. I thought that was funny. So we, it's not that. It's not, it's not that. We are given the ability to walk in the Spirit and to do the things that please God, to keep the law without even trying in our human efforts to have fruit instead of works. Fruit instead of works. If you get one thing out of this whole message, it's fruit instead of works. And we're going to look in depth next week at what that fruit is. What is that fruit? But this week, we're looking at the works. The works. Okay? So if there's a title for today's message, it's what the efforts of the flesh or what the works of the flesh look like. And... uh, This is kind of different than what we've been looking at, but actually, as I was studying, I was really blown away and blessed by how much I learned and how much this helped me uh, to to understand what we're looking at. So, um, a little more, just an introduction. It's never right to live in licentiousness with this license to sin or in legalism. Uh, They both proceed from the flesh. They both come from our flesh. Our flesh. Boy, that's that's an interesting term. Our flesh. When you think of the word flesh, I think of like a zombie movie or flesh falling or just that word flesh for us has these connotations of of our. But that's actually what it is. This it's our humanity. It's what we were born with. It's the resources that we have inside us. Some people's flesh is pretty strong. Obviously not mine, but some people's flesh looks good. Some people's flesh doesn't look so good. Some people's flesh, some people have some strength inside them and some people don't. So our flesh is the thoughts, efforts and ideas of all of the humanity that we have. It's just everything that we were born with. All the stuff that's inside you. Our flesh in rebellion against God. That's what our flesh really is. It's a rebel. Ever since Adam, with the, the Adam and Eve in the garden, with the apple and the snake and all that, it's, we've been in rebellion. And we were born in rebellion against God. It's like that song, Prone to Wander, Lord, I Feel It. You guys know that song. I love it. Um, so here's the question. Do you want to live in the flesh? Do you think that that works? No. Um, we're going to learn tonight how to recognize when we are drawing from the resources of our flesh. That's what we're going to learn tonight. And I think it's going to blow your mind because it, it blew mine. And I just, I have, I've learned so much. And I, and I want to be skilled. And I want you guys to be skilled at seeing when, wait a minute, am I in my flesh right now? But I think I'm doing, but I, what? I want us to be skilled and not have to wonder Am I in my flesh right now? Am I drawing from the resources that come from inside me? Or am I trusting in in Jesus? And with this information, with this skill that I hope that we develop tonight, we will be able, hopefully, to ask Jesus for his help, which is his spirit, to control us when our flesh wants to do something else. That's what the goal is tonight, to learn how to identify our flesh and then learn how to ask Jesus for the help 
to overcome our flesh. Sounds simple, right? Well, let's let's get into it. Galatians chapter five, verse 19 says. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let's break this down. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Notice he doesn't say the fruits of the flesh. He calls them works. Works. You know, they came to Jesus and the, what do, they came to Jesus one day and they said, hey, Jesus, what do we do to work the works of God? What are, what are the works that God wants us to do? I mean, does he want us to build a temple in every city? Does he want us to knock on the doors of all our neighbors? And that's what will please him. What are the works of God? Remember, do you remember Jesus' answer? He said, this is the works of God that you believe in him who he sent. Meaning me. Believe. That's the works that God wants us to engage with. But here, so that's not really a work. Belief isn't a work. Belief is a an attitude. Belief is a heart place. Belief is a, is a trust. It's not work. But here, the works of the flesh are evident. Whenever you feel tired because you've been working, or you feel tired because your, your Christian walk, your walk with God has become a burden, I want you to step back and understand that it may be that you're trying to please him through works. And you guys have heard me say this before, but it's worth repeating over and over again. When you're tired, rest in Jesus. Take time and rest in Jesus. Just spend time with him and say, God, I have nothing else. I'm so burnt right now. I'm so got nothing else. And just spend some time with him. Just pray. And uh, but when we get into works, when works are what we're doing in our life, it's usually, well, it's always works of the flesh. And it says here, the works of the flesh are evident, which means they, um, they come out. They're evident. They, they will be made known. It's like you shine a light on something. It's something that will come out. So that which is produced of natural human resources is very clear. You know, once you're in the word and once you start to see, you get to know Jesus and you get to know God and you see his love and, and you start to understand how he does things. It's very clear what is what is coming out of natural human resources. You know why? Because it fails. That's how you can tell. Well, did I fail? Yeah. OK, then you did it out of your efforts. If you succeeded, you did it out of the spirit. That's how you can tell. It's very clear. You can't hide if you're, you can't pretend. Remember, we started at the very beginning of the study saying legalism is faking. Legalism is an imitation of someone who's a really spiritual person. Legalism is saying, I'm going to try to look like I'm really a good person by how, what I do. 
I'm going to try to look like my heart has changed by the clothes I wear. I'm going to try to look like a great person by the way I talk instead of actually being a spiritually healthy person. And that, that um, faking that comes out of legalism can't go on forever. There will come a moment, a point in your life where you say, I'm done. I can't fake this anymore. And sometimes that ends your marriage. Sometimes it ends relationship, other relationships. Sometimes it ends your life and your life and people commit suicide because they say, I can't do life when they think life is about trying to look like a good person instead of actually being a good person. And letting that goodness come out of your relationship with Jesus. So the truth will eventually come out. Several years ago in Long Beach, California, a fellow went into a fried chicken place and he bought a chicken, a couple of chicken dinners for himself and his date one afternoon. So the young woman at the counter inadvertently gave him the the proceeds from the day, a whole bag of money, cash, instead of the fried chicken. And after driving to their picnic site, the two of them sat down to open the meal and enjoy some chicken together. And they discovered a whole lot more than chicken. There's over $800 in this bag. But uh, he was unusual, this guy. He quickly put the money money back in the bag and he got into the car and drove all the way back. So this this impressive guy, this guy who you think is just awesome, we'll call him Mr. Clean, he, he, get, he gets out, he walks in and became an instant hero because by then the manager was frantic and the guy with the bag of money looked the manager in the eye and said, I want you to know that I came by to get a couple chicken dinners and wound up with all this money here. Well, the manager was thrilled to death. He said, oh, great, let me call the newspaper. I'm going to have your picture put in the local newspaper because you're such an honest, you're, you're the most honest man I've ever heard of, ever seen. I, I'm, just, I'm going to make you famous. To which the guy quickly responded, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Then he leaned closer and whispered, you see, he says, you see, the woman that I was with, she's not my wife. She's somebody else's wife. See, the truth will eventually come out. And I don't know what the circumstances are where it'll come out, but the works of the flesh are evident. When you are drawing from your own resources, it will fail you. It will. And in that day, I want you to know that you can come to Jesus. But I would hope that you could actually choose today to actually um, decide where you're going to be drawing your resources from. So, these are these works, again, are just works of the enemy. They are the results of us being us or us depending on us or us setting our minds on us. That's how we get all this flesh stuff happening. That's how we start doing what the flesh wants. Turn with me to Romans chapter eight, verses five through eight. In Romans chapter eight. Paul gives us a lot of detail on how the flesh can give us such a a hard time. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit That means walk in the spirit, walk in victory, please God. 
they they put their minds on things of the spirit. Verse six, for for to be carnally minded. This is the rule. This is the rule that Paul's giving to be carnally minded, which is the way natural men think is death. But to be spiritually minded or to be a truly spiritual person is life and peace because the carnal mind, that's our flesh, our humanity, our resources, is an enemy or is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, many people struggle with sin, me included. And can I can I uh, share with you some of the things I hear myself say, some of the things I hear other people who are struggling with sin, who who may be either legalistic or licentious. Either way, they are struggling with being righteous. These are the things that they say. They say, um, <clears throat> well, I'm struggling with sin, but but I did this. Or I did that. Um, it's so hard not to do this. It's so hard not to do that. Um, I think this way. Maybe, maybe if I do this. Or if I just did that. Or my, des- my desire was this. You know, when, when we are confronted with our sin. Well, I, I really wanted to do what was right. But I didn't. I just, I needed this. Or this was more comfortable for me. And all these different things we try to say. And what, what me and what we do when we're in the flesh is we are trying to answer our problems internally from the inside. And that, and that there's some sort of like, like there's some sort of issue that we need to figure out or a puzzle that we need to solve ourselves in order to please God or fix ourselves. And so the plan of attack to fix ourselves is also associated with the flesh. This is a big bummer because if I'm doing something wrong, my, my thought is I need to try harder not to do it or put a chain around my wrist so I don't do that thing. Put myself in bondage. And these are, these are the ideas that our flesh has to, to make us do the right thing. Just try harder or put a chain around your wrist. Put up boundaries or... Here's the, here's the real popular one these days. Try to find out what deep thing happened to you many years ago that is causing you to act this way. To do this thing that you know you shouldn't do. And if you find that answer, and if you deal with it, it's somehow going to fix you. Instead of, This is self-actualization. This is self-healing instead of what the Bible says, which is repent from the wrong thing you're doing and trust Jesus. That's what the Bible says. But the thing is, all these efforts cannot please God is what this says. Those who are in the flesh, those who are trying to do things out of the flesh, even if it's a good thing, trying to fix themselves, trying to be a good person, even that good thing, it's not pleasing God because it's not from his spirit. I had a, a two-hour conversation yesterday with a Buddhist guy, okay? And we had a great conversation. We went out to lunch, and we were talking. And, and as we talked, and yeah, you were there. As we talked, we, um, we kept coming back to this issue. And he's like, well, isn't, 
isn't just trying to do the right thing, isn't having the motive, doesn't that count for something with God? And I told him, no. Because those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Only what is sourced from his spirit is what pleases God. Well, so you're telling me God says you can't do anything to please him? And I said, as a sinner, yes, that's what I'm telling you. It doesn't matter how hard we try. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. But he would love to bring us healing and bring us grace into our lives through his spirit. He loves to do that. All you have to do is ask. Isn't that a crazy thing? Instead of all these rules and everything we're trying to do over here and and then just breaking the rules and not care about them, we could just walk down the middle in grace if we just ask. Humbly come to him, depending on him and saying, God, help me. God, give me your grace to do what's right. Your Holy Spirit. And he would. So we're going to look we're going to look quickly back in Galatians at the list of works that are sourced from the flesh and never please God. And that's the thing. We're going to say these never please God. They never bring healing into our lives or any person we interact with. They never lead to life. They always lead to death. They can be deceptive. And this and our flesh makes us think it's the right way to go sometimes. But the Holy Spirit never leads us to do these things because these things are works of the flesh. So let's look at them a couple at a time here. Adultery and fornication. Adultery is sexual sin within marriage. Fornication is sexual sin outside of marriage. These are just the, this is exactly what the flesh wants. These, this is what happens when you depend on the resources and the plans of the flesh. It helps me, um, you know, it's always the flesh. When, when, sen- when sexual sin is a temptation, you just need to set your mind on things of the Spirit. Get in the Word. Think on Jesus. Pray. Fast. Let your spirit contemplate Jesus. Engage with Jesus. Pray. Wait. Read and listen. Ask. Beg. Sing. Whisper. Yell. Do whatever you need to do as long as it's with Jesus. When, this te- when these temptations arrive. But isn't this exact... Look at the days that we're in right now. And... Sexual immorality and, and this uh, fornication is just everywhere, and it's actually going to get worse. Look at where the world is headed. I'm going to read to you several verses out of Revelation. Okay, the, we're talking about what it's going to be like in the end times, which is coming up soon in the world. Revelation 14:8. Another angel followed, saying, "Babylon has fallen, has fallen, a great city, because she has made the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication." Just sexual freedom or whatever you want to call it, immorality, is what the world is going towards. It's what it was like back before um, Noah and the ark and all that. And in Revelation 17, 2, whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. You know, this, this fleshly Desire This part of our flesh that deceives us, it makes us drunk. It affects our, our perception. It affects our, our way we understand things. And before you know it, if you're, if you're letting fornication be a part of your life, your whole way you look at the world it becomes like you're drunk. Like 
your perception is just off and it's just not right. So verse 4 of Revelation 17, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having her head, in her hand a golden cup full of the abominations of the filthiness of her fornication. So the whole world system that is uh, symbolic for the whole world system at the time is all about getting people deceived on the pleasures of fornication. Revelation 8, 3, 18, 3. For the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through her abundance and her luxury. So not only people just involved in it, people getting rich off of it. Revelation 18.9, the kings of the earth who committed fornication lived luxuriously with her, will weep and lament for her, and they will see her smoke burning. And then in Revelation 19.2, for true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and has avenged her with the blood uh, of his servants. So, as you can see, the world is heading towards that. That's a, a, a way that the world is just unbridled and... and uh, so it's, if we see it in our lives, if we see adultery or fornication, we have to understand right away, I'm in my flesh. So what do I do? I, I come to Jesus and ask him for help. Come to Jesus and ask him for help. The, second one, or the third thing he says is uncleanness. This is in, impurity or lustful living or unbridled lust. It's just um, outrageous shamelessness. Uh, uncleanness is, a, is another broad word referring to sexual improper, impropriety in general. Uh, it should be uh, thought of as the opposite of purity. So if you think of what's pure, the opposite is this word, uncleanness. Uh, if it isn't pure before God, then it's uncleanness. Many today excuse themselves by saying, well, we did this and this and this, but we didn't go all the way. Others will say, well, my pornography habit is wrong because I'm, it isn't wrong because I'm not actually committing a sexual sin with another person. But the word uncleanness here is general enough to let us know that all these things are work of the flesh. They're all going to lead to death. So it says here, uncleanness covers impure speech, suggest, uh, suggestive speaking filled with double meanings. The Holy Spirit has never led anyone into uncleanness. And for each of these, I want, we can just say for each one, to be led by the Spirit, the Spirit is never going to lead me to fornication. He's never going to lead me to adultery. Well, those are easy, but not even uncleanness. He'll never lead me to that. So if I see uncleanness in my life, I know that now that that's my flesh. And the way to wage war in my flesh is by holding on to Jesus, coming back to Jesus. The next two, lewdness. The next word is lewdness. That can also be translated licentiousness. Okay, uh, Jude chapter 1 verse 4 also has the same word. It says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness or licentiousness and deny the only Lord and the Lord, uh, Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. See, a lot of churches talk about grace, but what they're really teaching is licentiousness or lewdness. They say, you, um, they say it's okay that you sin. It's okay, because there's grace to cover it, which, if you're not teaching people that it's not okay to sin, the sin is the enemy, you can have victory over that sin if you walk in the Spirit. Yes, grace will cover it when you sin, but we must teach people to walk in the Spirit. Again, desperately hold on to Jesus. 
The next one is idolatry. Colossians 3.5 says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You know, idolatry. Uh, some people, or it's been said that the greatest idol of this age is self. That what we really need to watch out for with idolatry is that ourselves are not our idol. In 2 Timothy 3, it says, But know this, that in last days, which is where we're living, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Does that sound like this idolatry that Titus Jude was talking about? Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. So, lovers of themselves, this idolatry. When you see love for yourself, understand it's your flesh. And wow, this war. So what I'm saying to you guys is that this war is always going to be happening in us every day, every moment of the day. It doesn't get easier because your flesh is still alive. You're still breathing, which I'm happy no one has died tonight. But that war, these desires, the flesh isn't easily going to go down. We have to work hard at crucifying this flesh. We have, to, we have to minute by minute saying, is that the flesh? Is that the flesh? Is this thought the flesh? Is that attitude in my heart the flesh? Was that just idolatry? Was I thinking of my, was I a lover of myself? Oh my goodness. And the next one is sorcery. The word, this word in the Greek is pharmakia. Which is where we get pharmacy or drugs. Abusing drugs is a work of the flesh. Look at what Revelation also says about the end times. This is kind of like an end times lesson as well. Revelation 9.21. They did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, or their sexuality, immorality, or their thefts. And also Romans 18.23. The light of a lamp shall not shine on you anymore, but the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard anymore in you. For your merchants and great men of the earth, and by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. Isn't that the, you know, the great hope of the world right now? Is, is prescription drugs to fix everything, even spiritual issues, mental issues, things that um, um, are, are uh, just clearly something that has to do with sin or, or God. And uh, today, in the 60s, it was illegal. It was called illicit drugs. Today, it's sometimes by prescription. You know, the world's great hope is these mind-altering drugs. And uh, you know why that is? Is because man doesn't have what it takes, so he's always looking for what it takes. Well, maybe I can do this, maybe I can do that. Now, I'm not saying that, that this is about aspirin, and if you take an aspirin, or if you even take a, a, some sort of medicine that helps you with balance or clarity or being able to see clearly. This is about people who abuse the medicine to get away from their life, their pain, their their situation, and, and, and as an alternative to putting your hope in God, as an, as an other than God. Not, I trust God and I'm using this so I can continue to trust God, but I do this in, instead of God. Instead of God. That's where the, that's where the problem lies. Instead of God. Um, there's a story in, in First Chronicles 20 or Second Chronicles 20 about a king, and he... Uh, he got, he got hurt, or he got a bad foot. And I, I'm really butchering the story. But he had a bad foot, and he went to, like, some doctors. And, uh, and then he went to the Lord, and the doctors couldn't heal him. And then he went to the Lord, and the Lord was upset with him. 
And uh, the Lord said, he, he, the Lord was explaining why he was upset. And he said, I'm upset because you didn't seek the Lord first. You didn't seek the Lord first when you had a problem. You went straight to the doctors, the, the sorcery people, the pharmacia first. And when this is your hope and this is your deal, it's, it's the flesh. And it's not going to work. The next one is hatred. This is like vindictiveness. This is desiring the worst for someone. You know, laws can be passed to, pun- pass to punish evil men uh, and what they do against each other. But no law can answer the problem of hatred, can it? You can't make a law saying you can't hate someone. Contentions. Arguing. I'm right and you're wrong. You know, it speaks of a combative or argumentative spirit. See, again, the Holy Spirit never leads us to that argument stage. It never leads us. The Holy Spirit is not the source of that. And we can discuss things and you can disagree. But when it becomes contentions, it's the flesh. And that's where we got to say, man, is this is this where I'm at? And if it is where I'm at, I got to take a step back and say, "Okay, I need to pray. I need to spend time with Jesus right now because I only want to argue. My flesh wants to argue. My flesh wants the contention or I'm hatred. I I have hatred for this person. And then the next one is jealousies. This is the desire to have what someone else has or wrong desire for what is not for us. Whenever you have a jealous feeling, understand that's from your flesh. And again, the way to fix that isn't just sweep it under the rug and say, oh, I guess I'll never have that, whatever. Or, I'm just going to be bitter against that person. No, the way to deal with it is to spend time with Jesus and talk to him about it. Repent about it. And, and, tr- and hope in him. Outbursts of wrath is the next one. These are fits of rage. Uh, there, there are things to get angry about. But even in those things, we need to take them to the Lord and turn that wrath, that anger, into prayer. Pray for that person. But when, when we have this outburst of wrath, this temper, this loss of temper, or unable to control our anger, it's all related to ourselves. It's all related to our flesh. It's coming from inside. The next one is selfish ambitions. So the word in Greek means self-forward. It's the word erytheia. And it has an interesting history. It started out as as a perfectly respectable word, meaning to work for pay. Over time, it began to mean the kind of work that is done for money and for no other reason. And then it was used to describe politicians who campaign for election, not for the service that they can give to the government and the people, but only for their own glory and benefit. And it ended up meaning selfish ambition, the ambition which has no conception of service and whose only aims are to profit and power. It is the heart of a person whose first question is always, what's in it for me? To be sure, the Holy Spirit never led anyone into selfish ambitions. Again, the flesh has selfish ambitions. The spirit doesn't. Uh, here's a couple of verses. Philippians 2.3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, consider one another better. In James chapter 3, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts... 
Do not boast against and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual and demonic. For where, the, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are. So, when we have selfish ambitions, when we're saying, what's in it for me? Am I going to help this person? Am I going to do this thing? What's in it for me? That comes from our flesh, and we have to stop and say, hmm, am I in the flesh? How can I get back in the Spirit? Well, that's easy. Spend time with the Spirit. The next one is dissensions. That's thinking, well, we're better than them, or I'm better than you. That never gets the will of God done in your life. Heresies. These are deviations away from the simple truth of the word of God. Second Peter 2.1 says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring in themselves to swift destruction. So it's always related to one fleshy thing or the other. You think of uh, things that, um, heresies that are out there like the word of faith movement. Or, you know, they all are related to desires of the flesh, to be rich, to be in control, to be God. They're saying God has to obey me when I name it and claim it. God has to obey me. Instead of God being a sovereign God and I worship him, he is under my control and it's wrong. And it comes straight out of the flesh. Uh, Here's a quote from William Barclay. There there is all the difference in the world between believing that we are right and believing that everyone is wrong. Unshakable conviction is a Christian value. Unyielding intolerance is a sin. That was for up in the dissensions section. Uh, Envy is the next one. These are resentful desires. Envy is the Greek word pathanos, and it does not, uh, it, it doesn't so much uh, want what someone else has as jealousies, but it is a bitter, it is bitter just because someone else has something that we don't. The ancient Stoics called this grief as someone else's good. And the ancient philosopher Euphrates said it was the greatest of all the desires of diseases of men is envy. So when we have envy, again, it's flesh. We need to come back to the spirit. And the last one, murders. You guys know what that is, right? Good. But it goes, you know, Matthew 5.22 says, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of counsel. What Jesus is saying there is, is just even anger is just like you actually murdered them. And so anger has to be understood that it's from our flesh in that way. And then drunkenness. With alcohol or with anything else. You know, it's funny because people have that word. Alcoholism is such a big word in our culture today, right? And uh, there's no such thing. It is drunkenness. Uh, the, the word alcoholism is a human invention to soften the blow of saying it's a sin. Um, instead of saying, I'm an alcoholic, what a, what a believer should say is, I'm a sinner learning to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And when I do walk in the fullness of the Spirit, my sin of drunkenness will not affect my life anymore. 
That's what they should say. Ephesians 5.18 describes drunkenness as dissipation, which means wastefulness. Getting drunk is a waste. They even call it getting wasted, right? What a true statement. Absolute waste of your night. There was nothing good that came, ever came out of a night of getting drunk. Is there? Anyone think of any good thing? Nope. And the last one, revelries. This word is like party animals. Barclay just says it describes the kind of revelry which lowers a man's self and is a nuisance to others. And then he says, and the like, which this list, this uh, doesn't list everything that our flesh is, uh, can come up with, but our flesh is very crafty. Our flesh can do so many things that are contrary to what God says. And then look at the, the last couple lines here. It says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is a, this is a really interesting phrase here. Because you may, you may look at your life and say, hmm, uh, I, I've done some of these things. I, I do some of these things. And does that mean I'm, I'm dying and I'm going to hell? Because these can be seen in my life sometimes? Who are the people that are in danger in this statement here? It says those who practice such things. This means more than someone who has just committed adultery or fornication or sorcery or drunkenness or any of these. Uh, this speaks of those who continue in these sins, ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit telling them to stop. Not ignoring the voice of the law, but ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit inside them that says, anger needs to be dealt with. Drunkenness is not okay. Or whatever this, whatever your flesh is into, my flesh is different than your flesh, and your flesh and your flesh, and all of our flesh, we all have our own things that our flesh is really good at, just like we're all different at what skills and talents we have. You know, my flesh is really bad at some things, and not others. Some things are not a temptation for me. I'm sorry, I'm not tempted to drink. I've never been drunk. I've I've drank a couple drinks in my life, a few drinks, and it was never something I liked. So that's just not how my flesh is geared to go. But there are other things in my life that I have to be very careful about. And when it starts to even be a hint in my life, I need to cling to Jesus and follow him. And I need to in drinking too, but that's not going to be a huge issue in my life. Um, The tense of the verb, um, which is called present tense, indicates that it's a habitual or continuation in these fleshly sins rather than an isolated lapse or an event. And the, and the point is that those who are continually practice such sins uh, give evidence of having never received God's Spirit. Uh, that's, that was a quote from Boyce. And those who practice represents um, uh, uh, the implication that they're doing it constantly. So, you know, if you're practicing to become a better football player they practice every day right and that's what these if you see these sins in your life as an everyday thing yeah i'd be worried and that's the thing is the bible never puts us in a peaceful place 
if we are living in licentiousness or legalism. And it's designed to do that. Well, the Bible's so so hard because it, it tells me all these things that are wrong. And it tells me if I live that way, I'm going to go to hell. Yeah. It's not here to make you feel good. It's here to give you life. It's here to teach you how to cling to the one who gives you life. It's not here to teach you or to comfort you and let you continue in these places. It says if you continue in these ways, it's going to be bad. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It never puts us in a peaceful place when we're living in licentiousness or any of these works of the flesh. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is the last place we're going to look at tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. But you were justified. How? By trying really, really hard. (laughs) No By the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If you look at your life tonight and you're thinking, I see these things in my life. I see that my flesh is is there. I see that my heart has these things. He says such were some of you. That means that can change tonight. You can come to the Lord again. You can come to the Lord for the first time and say, God, I need your spirit. I need you. I need your help. I see now that my flesh, in my flesh dwells no good thing. My flesh, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You know, we learned last week that the way not to walk in the flesh but in the Spirit is to desperately, humbly depend on Him and Him alone to change you and to produce fruit in your life and to call on His name. Call out on His name, like it says here, in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Call on His name. Call, ask for His grace. His resources, which is His Holy Spirit. And then what will come to pass, which we have learned in Galatians 5, which is you will walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. All these things that we learned tonight. It was a big, long list. And we were faithful to look at each one of them. And all those things will not come to pass in your life on a continual, habitual basis when you call in his name. Isn't that that great to hear? Because... Some churches you go to and they say, so here's the list of things and don't do them or you're not going to go to heaven. Don't do them or your life is, you know, just be the best. But at our church and at churches who teach the word of God, and if you just read the word of God, 
it says, those are all the bad things. So, call on Jesus' name. Ask Jesus for help. And he'll help you. He'll meet you. He'll save you. He's a comprehensive savior. He saves you the day you ask him. And he saves you every day after that. He saves you from your flesh. He saves you from all these things. And you know what happens when you trust him? Next week, we'll find out. Next week, we'll look really in depth at what glorious, amazing, incredible, happy, joyous, fantastic things happen when you call in his name and trust him. And it's called fruit. Oh, it's glorious. You guys... You coming back next week? I know you won't. But you can listen online because you'll be in California. But, well, I don't know where you'll be next week. Maybe here. We'll see. Anyway, there we go. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to we wanna give an opportunity right now for, for you, God, to change us, to make us into um, someone who trusts in you. And, uh, and Lord, I just, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives us everything we could possibly need. Lord, I pray that we would not be deceived by our flesh, that we would not be sufficient, think of ourselves as, yeah, I got this under control. I know what I need to do. I know what the right thing to do is. But Lord, that we would come to you and we would ask for your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. God, I need you. There are things in my life that my flesh is still there. My flesh rises its ugly head in my life and the people around me suffer because of it. And Lord, I want victory, Jesus. And Lord, I... I, I spend time with you. I, I do pray. I, I, I trust you. But Lord, I need more of you. I am more desperate. I need to be more desperate for you. I need to be more dependent on you than I am right now, Jesus. So Lord, I call on your name. I, I know that you're a God who hears when we call. And if there's anyone in here tonight who, who needs God's help, Lord, we want, it, we want to come alongside that person and assist them in calling out to you. Lord, we all pray for them right now. So I'm not going to make you stand up or raise your hand, or, um, but if you would like to come up and pray and talk with me afterwards, then please do, because um, we, we could all use more of the Lord. And if you don't come up, that doesn't mean you don't need more of the Lord. Um, but we are here for your spiritual care. And, and we want to take care of you and help you to call upon the one who can help you. So again, in prayer, Jesus, we love you. We want to uh, worship you. We want to be filled with your wonderful Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.